talking recently about the difference between the nature, our physical nature, and our spiritual nature, and the different plane that God has us on. And I want to kind of continue that theme today, because last week I was talking about overcoming evil with good, and so this week I want to talk about being an overcomer and, and overcoming. And I would like to look at the scripture in First John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5 here, uh, because there are things here that we need to know and understand and that can help us in this regard and certainly is a charge that we find from John as he's writing and reminding of this. So he says to us in verse 4 of First John chapter 5, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Now, remember we we read there in Jesus' prayer today, Richard read that for us in John chapter 17, where Jesus says, we are not of the world, he is not of the world, but he's sending us back in the world and that, and that we must be one, that he hasn't lost any, and they're talking about the, you know, the evil one and evil in the world, et cetera, et cetera, but we're not part of the world. So what, is, what does that mean and what is Jesus uh, praying for us in that regard? The thing that I find astounding in that particular scripture is that Jesus makes a statement, they are not of the world as I am not of the world. And I'm saying, Lord, what are you talking about? Um, I find myself too much mixed up in the world, the way the world does things. And in, in the world, that's not a problem. But in living the life that we're called to live, it is problematic, and we will take a look at that today. So we're called to be overcomers here. So he tells us here again, going back, for he overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So we're talking about here a matter of trusting God in order to overcome the faith, uh, overcome the world, to believe in him. Who is it that has overcome the world? And I, I like this, only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So let's take a look at that today, and here are the questions that we're kind of asking ourselves. Why should we overcome what we live in and are part of and Jesus is sending us into? You know, if you're sending us into the world, surely we should just be like chameleons and look like the world and act like the world. Why, why does he say this? Also, what does it mean to overcome? And has anyone been able to do this? Has anyone overcome the world? And if they have, how can it be done? And when are we to overcome? It's kind of like you've got this big challenge before you. When are you to do this? So let's back up to verse 1 of this chapter in 1 John chapter 5. Notice here, here what, and it leads us to understand the, the magnitude of what he's telling us. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. So we're talking about Messiahship because he is the Christ, he is the Messiah, and if we're that, we are born of God. So this born of God is important for us to understand. It is also important to understand that we understand who Jesus is 
we understand the relationship that we have with Jesus, that we love the Father, and we also love Jesus as well. That's not necessarily true of the world. We have some people in the world with a multiplicity of gods believe in God, but not Jesus. There are people who believe in Jesus, but not as the Son of God, not born, you know, fully God, fully human, coming, the Word, in the beginning, all of these things that we're familiar with and that we've come to believe, understand, and trust in, that we have a Lord and Savior who was tempted in all points as we are, and I'm kind of giving away who, who is the only one to overcome the world, tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin, and then tells us that we can come boldly before his throne of grace in our time of need. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, not in your notes. So it, we find Jesus is central to overcoming. Uh, believing, uh, you know, it's about believing who he is and what he is doing. So we kind of got to go back a ways into, in, in some sense, one of the oldest scriptures in the Bible, which is in, in John chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Everything that was made was made by him. He came into the world. He was a light to the world. The darkness didn't comprehend it. And then it tells us in verse 14 that he was made flesh. He became one of us, full of grace and truth. So we believe that Jesus is fully human, fully divine. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He has overcome the world. So what does that mean? We believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is begotten of God. With that, we also believe Jesus' kingdom's teachings, the things that he taught. Now, for us to also understand about overcoming we have to overcome misunderstanding. So one of the prime examples of misunderstanding and overcoming even what we've understood and the way in which we've understood it in times past is the example of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a, a, a religious man. He, he was one who recognized that Jesus had done all kinds of incredible miracles. He acknowledged that, and he acknowledges him as being a rabbi. This is much like people acknowledging um, Jesus as just being a prophet who lived, was a good guy, back then, is dead, gone. That's the end of the story. We, we have that. That's where you only acknowledge that he existed. He is among other prophets that existed. When you just call him a rabbi, it's obvious you miss who he really is. And Nicodemus did. So Jesus makes a statement to Nicodemus, and this is talking about, this is John, of course, chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, where he's saying, look, Nicodemus, unless you are born again. Now, this again, Nicodemus asks the natural question. What do you mean, born again? How can I climb back into my mother's womb and be born again? He didn't understand the spiritual intent of that. You cannot, in, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God without that. So you've got, there has to be a transformation. There has to be a born-again process there. So we see that in order to see the kingdom, understand what God wants us to, to understand, we have to appreciate that. Now Jesus makes another statement in reference to the world. In John chapter 18, verse 36, he makes this statement, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then would my servants fight. So he's making a delineation that his kingdom is not worldly, as we would know that. 
Now, I also want, and I'm, I'm doing this rather quickly today in the light, but you have the notes. But in, in John chapter 15, we want to see what Jesus says about the relationship that, that he himself had and that his, he tells his disciples that they will also face. So we begin here in verse 18. And Jesus is giving them a warning in terms of the world. And he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Now that's a pretty harsh statement when you use the word hate. So Jesus is saying, if the world hates you, you got to realize it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. So now this is giving us a little context. If we want to get along in the world, if we act like the world and the like, then they will love you. And generally speaking, as far as the world is concerned, uh, you're going to, life is going to be a little bit simpler. Just like in every culture, if you live within that culture, the way the culture lives and thinks and all that, you get along a whole lot better. Uh, and we've seen that happen through all kinds of situations. I mean, people can be brutal to other people, but if everybody does it, we do it. Uh, but, because that's their world and the way in which they see things. So he's, he's telling them they would love you. As it is, you, now this is what he says, as it is though, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Now this, again, is interesting and encouraging. Jesus is saying, I have chosen you, and, and I've chosen you not to belong to the world. I, and he says, remember the words that I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teachings, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. It's so... Jesus' name is problematic in our world um, for a simple reason. There is only one name by which one can be saved, and that's not the way the world looks at it in terms of, no, you think you're better than us and all of it? No, it is about Jesus is the Savior of the world. God sent his only begotten Son. For they do not know the one who sent me, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me, now notice how he's saying here, he who hates me hates my father as well. There is, people don't want to hear that. Well, I hate God. Well, I've heard a lot of people say that they hate God and the like, and um, unfortunately, they hate my father as well. If I had not done these th things among you, no one else did, they would not be guilty. But now that they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father, but this is to fulfill what is written in the law, they hated me without reason. So this is what we find a world that hates him for no reason whatsoever. It is, And, and names can pop up. We all know that. You, you hear certain names, you can all, all automatically kind of hate someone. And 
Christians in our world, at times, just being a Christian is, it, it's a smear. It's, people don't like that. So we, we've, we see this relationship. So now the question is, Jesus is saying, if they hate you, what's wrong with the world? Well, let's go back to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Because the world thinking, well, there's not too much wrong with us. We'll get these things straight eventually and the like. Uh, but everything seems to be okay. Verse 15 of, of 1 John 2. Here's what John says. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, and now he's beginning to list and give us some eyes, the things that are in the world. Cravings of the sinful man. Now you talk about what encompasses. You know, lust is the last of the Ten Commandments. It is huge, huge in sin. Absolutely. Whether money, power, sex, whatever it is, um, it is huge. The cravings of the lust of the eyes. The, the, we can't see enough and, and the like. And the boastings of what it has. <laughs> now we think about boasting. Here, here, here's a world that is filled with pride and boasting and bragging and what we can do and, and what we have done. Of what he has and does does not come from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Now we're finding a little bit about what overcoming is about. Overcoming is about, in part, overcoming our will and submitting our will to God's will. Now, we, we already know someone who said that he did that. I always do the will of my Father in heaven. And I... And Jesus also, in essence, mentions this. I love doing the will of my Father who is in heaven. So we're called to overcome. And so last week, or the week before last, I was talking about we overcome evil with good, which is very difficult in that way. Now, he mentioned there in his prayer about the evil one, the son of perdition, all of these things. I put in your notes 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where the Apostle Paul is addressing this issue and he says, look, you need to understand there is the God of this world who is an angel of light. It is full of sin. He, he does his, his own way. He does not do the things of God. He is the God of this world. Satan has his power and his influence. The example of the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 is, you know, I can give you all these things. The thing about Satan is his subtlety. This world is so subtle. You know, we talk about advertising, Madison Avenue and all of that. It's the subtleties that go into that that create for us issues and problems as well as that, uh, just the, the, the doing of it. So now I ask the question, is there anyone who has overcome the world? And in part, I did answer that when I quoted from Matthew and from Hebrews chapter 4. But this is John chapter 16, and this is what Jesus says himself. And notice here, there's a lot of encouragement in all of these things. 
He says, I have told you these things so that these things so that in me you may have peace. Now, if we think we're going to have peace in the world, forget it. You're not going to have peace in this world. I mean, you may have a smooth sailing here and there, but overall, it's not going to, to be peaceful. In this world, you will have trouble. So he's just telling us in advance. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus himself states that he has overcome the world. He is our example in that. So when we go back to John chapter 5 and verse 4 where we started, it says those born of God overcome the world. And overcome, the Greek word is Nike, and it basically, well, we're familiar with Nike, it means victory. That we have victory and when you think about victory, victory you got to think is you finish in number one. You finish in top. You, you, you won. It is in, we win in Christ Jesus. We have victory. But it is in overcoming that we have victory. Now, why is it important? Is there anything of value to overcoming? Well, I want to go back and I'm doing this again quickly in the book of Revelation to the admonitions to the churches. But notice what he says about it. And I'm pointing out not the problems that he's talking about here, but rather the rewards of overcoming. So we begin here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7 to the church. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Now, what I want to point out in all these things about hearing and seeing and all of that, but hearing is the ability to hear what the Spirit, what the Spirit says. Remember, we've talked about Jesus telling his disciples these words are spiritual. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. It elevates everything that we talk about, whether it's love, joy, faith, hope. It elevates it. So he says, if you have an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcome, I will give the right to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, that sounds pretty good for somebody who overcomes. Overcomes what? The world. Now, verse 17, to another church, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. And we think about manna, that was the one request that the, the uh, Israelites wanted, you know, back in Jesus' day, the, show us, you know, the power, give us the manna. Jesus talks about the manna, and then he tells us he is the true bread of life. He is the manna that comes down from heaven. I also will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. So now you get a, you get a special name. You get a kind of special calling. You, you have this, shall, shall we call it a pass, a passport, a key that is of righteousness, all of these things. You find that example. Verse 26, another church we find here. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end. Oh, remember I told you about the importance of overcoming is about doing God's will. 
he who overcomes and does my will to the end. Not just does his, but endures until the end, does my will to the end. I will give authority over the nations. You know, I'll give you power. I'll give, I'll give you rulership. Just as, and it goes through here, just as I have received authority from my father, I also give to the, him the morning star, and he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Chapter 3, another overcoming. Verse 11, we read this example. In verse 11, I am coming soon. This is three eleven through 13. I am coming soon. Hold to what you have so that no one will take your crown. So we find a crown involved him. He overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, now I want to use this in terms of how God, Jesus addresses his disciples as friends, holy and blameless, you know, as people whom we love, people whom he's chosen, that we have his new name on us. This is an awesome and wonderful blessing we find from God. And now verse 21, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Now that's pretty highly elevated. Just as I over, notice here, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. This, I give you these examples, not as fearful, but as wonderful examples of why we would want to overcome and what is laid out there for us. You see, because when we overcome pride and greed, we can have authority. Use authority like Jesus used authority for help, giving, caring. Not authority to beat people down, but to give them hope and to release them, from, as it were, from sin. So verse 4, going back now to First John chapter 5, overcome involves faithfully trusting God from beginning to end. He says, you know, this is our faith. This is proof of our faith. So we trust God. We know who he is. We know what he says. We believe that what he says is truth. We believe it is life. It is freedom. It is redemption. It is salvation. It is everything. And then we also believe that in this, that we are being led by the Spirit. And I'll just quote from Romans 8, where it says, as many as led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. And it talks about the relationship that we would have him, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And we know that we are children of God when his Spirit unites with our spirit. And now to the question of when do we overcome? Living, we are called to live the kingdom now. We are called to overcome now. So a logical question would be this. Do we have anything that we need to overcome right now? Any things that, you know, pride, lust, greed, anger, you know, hostility, whatever it might be. How about overcoming our disbelief? Actually, believing Jesus, believing the gospel. Believing he knows what is good 
and embracing that. So with that comes, then verse 5 of 1 John, is the belief that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who overcomes the world. He is the Son of God. He walked this earth. He never sinned once. And he helps us. He leads us in seeing the things that we need to come to, to believe and to overcome. And he empowers us and he sets an example for us. Now, so what is the source of our belief? And why am I saying that believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the like? Well, let's back up one chapter in 1 John. We'll begin in 1 John chapter 4, now verse 1 through, through 6. In 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. We've been talking about the Spirit and all of that, but we have to recognize we've also talked about the God of this world, and we talked about the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, this, and the like. So here are some delineations. John writes, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into to the world. And so it's, it's out there. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now already is in the world. So this kind of speaks to when do we begin to overcome? Well, it's already now and it's been before and it is coming more. But notice what he says. Now, here's the encouraging. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because, oh, I love this because, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And there is one in the world and there is one in us and the one in us is greater. We're looking to overcome. It is through him that we overcome. It isn't by setting our will and determining no matter what I'm going to do it, uh, you know, just just tell me what to do and I will I will stick to it. I won't do anything. No, it is by allowing him to work in our lives and he do it. They are from the world and therefore they speak from the viewpoint of the world. So John is saying there is a, a point of view, a world view that is the world's, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So that's what we're fighting against dealing with in this regards. Now, this is not different than what we read in the, have read before in the book of Zechariah, where Zechariah is told this, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. This is how that is accomplished. Now, I want to read a little more here from 1 John. And we're chapter 5 now, but we're going to advance a little further in this, picking up in verse 13. So John says, I write you these things to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is one of the things that we need to know and understand and what overcoming is about, that we have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Now, jumping all the way down to verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 18, says, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. So all of, you, all of us who have stopped sinning and never sinned again, don't have sin to overcome anymore, you know, we, it's a process. It's a process. And the one who is born of God keeps him safe. And the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of an evil one. This is what John, it's, the subtlety is incredible, but the whole world and we included are under the, the, you know, the influence of the evil one. And we know also that the son of God has come and has given us understanding This would be the spiritual part of this, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. Even in his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. And then he goes on, and this falls in the face of the world. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Not that we have idol worship now and people talk about it all the time. Who who is my idol and all, all of these things that go on. But keep yourself. Now, I want to talk about a moment for the process of overcoming. And I want to talk to the reality. And this is very briefly. The Apostle Paul mentions in chapter 7. He says, I find in me two ways of being, the spiritual and the natural. And then he puts it this way. The things that I don't want to do are the things that I do. And the things that I want to do are the things that I don't do. And I find this war going on inside of me. As long as we're in this world, part of this world, living in the world, there is always going to be an external and at times an internal war going on in our heads. There are things that are going to creep up on us and smack us upside the head or the back of the head or kick us in the seat of the pants and we think, where did that come from? And we think, or why did I do that? Or why did I say that? And what's that all about? Like the Apostle Paul. But please note that Paul concludes that, he says, I thank Christ, my Lord and Savior, who delivered me. I mentioned that because in Jesus' prayer, outline prayer, he says, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. I would suggest to all of us that Jesus has delivered us from far more evil than we ever begin to realize because if every bit of evil, like Job, that had to happen, we wouldn't be around. We, we couldn't, the, the evilness of evil, and we'd be so engrossed in it all over. He has delivered us from soul. And he's going to deliver us from the evil one. We have eternal life. We have a hope. And we have victory. So I want to conclude with this. And it's about the victory that we have in Christ. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We know it as a resurrection chapter. But such encouraging words for all of us. Where he says in verse 57. But notice where the credit goes. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's a response then to that. Therefore, my dear children, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know 
that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Overcoming, to being an overcomer, one who's called out to overcome, and then going through that process and realizing that every day, one day at a time, as Jeanette sang earlier, is, is, is a day of overcoming. Ourself, the devil, the world, and giving ourselves over to Christ to help us to overcome just the world in which he has sent us in and to be an incredible example to the whole world, the light and the salt of the earth about what overcoming is about and to make that sacrifice that Christ has called us to. Everyone, everyone there in John who is born of God overcomes. So as overcomers, Let's give God thanks in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so very much for your love. Thank you for Jesus who has overcome every sin that ever. And he's tempted at all points and yet without sin. And that he has told us these things that we might have peace in him. That we might live life, be overcomers, and just overcome to your glory, to your praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The world today is a challenging environment for Christian believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Looking for answers? Grace Communion International Local Churches in Fairfield, Santa Rosa, and Modesto offers a comforting environment for Christians in search of spiritual growth and development. Contact a local ministry. Attend our local GCI churches at the times listed on your screen.